It's the uh, podcast for Wednesday, hump day, midday, midweek, mid-month. Uh, Bob McCown, John. <laughs> you, you sound so enthused. <laughs> wait, till he, wait till he introduces the guest. Oh, no, no. Oh, way to jump the queue, man. Way yeah. to jump the queue. What else has changed? I don't know whether is it appropriate, Shannon, that we have uh, heels on on the day a new president is arriving in the United States? Um, do we wish to address <laughs> that fact? No, no. no. The, you know? the moron that's been in there is finally gone, oh. got on his plane and went to Florida and probably will be on the golf course in about a half an hour from now. Yes, he's got a 12-15 tee time. Uh, Glenn Healy is uh, with us from Parts Unknown. How are you, Hills? You look beautiful. Thank you uh, so much. I'm so glad to be on on this show. I, I am in my basement. This pandemic has has caused me to be uh, evicted from my office in Toronto and also from my office in this home where uh, Palatial. the Palatial basement. Lock Ontario, I used to have a beautiful office and one day the kids said, we need a lounge, uh, we need a karaoke machine and a PlayStation. And so I came home to my desk being in the basement. And that's nice. where I am. And all of the paraphernalia you see behind me, the trophies. Uh, you stole? Well, here, I'll, I'll, I brought a prop. So why not start the show the right way? They're all dance trophies. <laughs> pick it up award, and I'm going to give this to Bob right away. But they're all dance trophies. And so, yeah, memories of the past. I, I, I look at it this way. That's $100,000 I spent on dance right behind me there. So, <laughs> well. I am stuck here. Not a drop of, of sunlight. And if I fall asleep halfway through the show. Um, don't blame me. Well, when you have the garage sale and get rid of all that crap, uh, let us know what you get. Like I'm guessing <laughs> maybe 40, 50 bucks for your hundred thousand dollar investment. Not uh, the best by the way, by, by the way, how were you at Highland dancing? I never did it. Uh, I, I, <laughs> oh, no, no, I know. I'm well aware. <laughs> on occasion, I would do the piping for it. Right. And, uh, and I would great. finish the piping and you would play the same song all day, right? So it's the same song. You can't mess up. It's the same song. And then at the end of the, the competition, I would have all the mothers come up and uh, not all of them, but a couple of them, you know, see you, you're a terrible piper. You're so <laughs> out of tune and you can't play on the beat. And I'd be like, look at your daughter can't dance. Okay. That's why she lost. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the best in the world, a Colleen Rintamaki, so graceful to watch. Uh, but when I did it, it was just, I was collecting a paycheck, kind of like working for you, Johnny. Actually, you know, I, it's funny because I was, we were sitting around the dinner table the other night watching some movie, I think about Shetland. Um, and uh, I announced that I wanted to buy a kilt. And I, I said, you know what? I, I have a lot, you know, the McCrae's, the McLeod's, the McGraw's, there's a lot of Scott. In this old boy, and I think I should have a kilt. You well, should. it did not. Go, it did not go over well. Well, mm. you you know, I know it's you don't always have to be right, and, but you have to be happy. Uh, but yeah. every once in a while, just go be you. That's what uh, where, where do you buy kilts? Where do you buy? Is there a kilt oh, store? Absolutely, get them anywhere. I would suggest this uh, because there are a few bad things from Scotland. Haggis being one of them. Robbie yeah. Burns coming up soon. I think that's the last time we we actually. Where I was on with you, to the, yeah. Robert, yeah. Uh, just pick the right tartan because you have to wear that publicly, and there are some ugly ones. Well, I mean, there's some ones the that are the, yellow. The McLeod, we have to wear the McLeod tartan. We have to wear the so, McLeod tartan. We'll just make it up because most people 
they have no idea what the tartans are. You just tell them what it is, and they believe you. <laughs> kind of what we did on TV, <laughs> you know, or on radio. I mean, again, well, so just make well, it up. You can't just, see. Just because we're on a podcast, don't give away all our secrets. Okay. <laughs> Can we get to something serious here, or are we going to fart why? around for the whole show? Why? 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 Why do we need something serious? I don't. Know. I'll give you something. When, when, did, when have you become so serious? I don't know. Uh, it's the it's the it's the pandemic. It's uh, it's uh, completely oh. thrown me off kilter. You should pardon Jeez. the expression. Oh, you're very good. That's nice. Nice segue. So back, just something serious. So uh, with this pandemic, normally we have our big Robbie Burns night, which is coming yeah. up. Yeah, of course. And we have about a thousand people that infiltrate uh, a particular establishment. It is an open bar. So at 10 o'clock, it becomes a, a total uh, fudu gong show. And uh, so this year we can't do it. So yeah. we got together on the shores of Lock Ontario and filmed our entire concert. And then... Uh, the idea that I had was to do a Burns dinner in a box and all the money goes to the Legion. So you put it in perspective, it's haggis, it's, it's a shot of scotch. Oh. It's not screech like what you have, Robert, but shot of scotch. And so basically I, I've renamed, uh, yeah, I've renamed the dinner in a box called shit on a shingle. Okay. <laughs> so now the money goes to the Legion. I was hoping to sell a hundred dinners. And, and you sold a thousand dinners. No, so we have wow. a, we have a lot of people in Ontario that uh, are going to have upset tummies on Saturday oh. night when they open up that lovely Scottish dare they call dinner and watch our show. So my my grandmother used to re read Robbie Burns poems all the time. So That's she was from she was from she was from Hamilton. She was from Hamilton across the bay. So here, here's a, a, a book from 1917 of all Burns poems. There you go. Wow. Yes, yeah. So I, uh, I thought that was 1917. I thought it was the last year you played, and those were all your stats. But Worst food I've ever had um, was in Scotland. Um, not surprisingly, I don't think. No. Um, went to the old course to play as a, a guest of uh, Jack Nicholas, actually. And um, uh, I will recall the one night I went into Tune in order to find myself a local establishment. And this to was, fine tune yourself. was highly recommended. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and, they, and I ordered peppercorn steak. Um, it was probably a 16-ounce piece of meat with maybe one ounce of actual steak on it. And the rest was fat covered in peppercorns well, it was without they, that's a what, that's doubt what the worst meal i've ever had in my life yeah worst. I, I, I ate at the same place i went i ate with uh oh i golf with tiger woods I <laughs> and golf together and then we uh we decided not to eat and just drink so uh <coughs> name drop fine 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 I didn't say I had dinner with Jack. The only thing the Scots can do is if if you're going to Scotland to eat, it has to be deep fried. It has to be fried. It has to. You can't go and have steak. Oh, I mean, they make great. They, they make the the one thing ever all over the UK, particularly Scotland, French fries. They make great fries. Chips. They make great chips. That's what they do. I used to love it when you would order fish and chips, and it would come in a newspaper. Sure. Oh yeah. 
was that good for you as a kid having the newspaper ink on your french fries it didn't matter it just it just seemed like the thing to do i'm the oldest living healy at 58 years old no one else has lived to this age i'm out (laughs) doing the whole (laughs) well there's curry is a big dish there now and uh and if i'm john shannon go buy the kilt cheapo okay yeah yeah I need to buy the kilt. I need, I need to buy the kilt. I got to get the kilt, I think. I'll help. All right. Okay. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Healy's um, response to this point, which may be factual. It may, may just be in my mind. But we, uh, we are not so many months removed from the return of basketball and hockey virtually simultaneously last summer, where both played in bubbles one in one single location and the other, uh, the NHL in two locations and then ultimately down to one. And if I remember correctly, total number of cases, positive COVID cases from the NHL was zero and from the NBA was zero. Well, some guys got kicked out because and suspended because they went to strip clubs in Atlanta, but other than that, they were- All right, but um, essentially they created a scenario where everybody was safe. Now, I have to admit this, that, you know, we think somebody gets COVID automatically, their, their lives are in danger. And, th- and really, that is not true. It's a small percentage and almost all have some pre-existing uh, uh, condition. Having said that, both leagues changed the way they do things this year. Both leagues are traveling. Both leagues are... I mean, yes, they've condensed the schedule. They have, uh, they're doing back-to-back games. They're doing a few things, but they're still traveling. And what has the result been in the very early going? We are like a half dozen games into the NHL season and a dozen games into the basketball season. Lots of positive tests. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this, Healy? Did well, they make the right decision or the wrong decision? That sanitized world called the bubble, I don't think players would have went for it again for months and months and months. No family, no kids, no wife. The people that were allowed into that bubble uh, sanitized to the an incredible extreme. You know, the testing alone that the NHL put with regards to the players, they probably mm-hmm. spent in that short period of time last year in the playoffs where they recouped $700 million in lost cost based on the fact of not having them would have been devastating probably $10 million. Could they do it again? Would they get buy-in from the players? Uh, I, the answer would be no. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's casual acquaintances sometimes with people that create some of the COVID. Some of the players that got it this summer, it was a yoga instructor. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to profess I ever did yoga when I played. I don't know why the hell they're doing it now, but it was a yoga instructor that infected a bunch of players. So I, I think you know, when you look at the scientific uh, data with regards to COVID, with SARS, you know, you either got really sick or you died. It was almost 50-50, 40% chance of dying. You burn through hosts really fast. And that's why it burned away really quick. With this one, you, you don't even know if you have it, if you come mm-hmm. in contact with someone who has it, if the symptoms are going to be significant enough where you can't play a game unless they test you. So it's the inevitable, I think, we're living in today. And I, I don't think renting the pathway from the Royal York to the Air Canada Centre for north of $100,000 is 
would be anything the NHL would say, yeah, we want to do that. In fact, if I was Gary and Bill, I'd say the best thing would be not even to have a season. And let's wait till we get needles and arms. And we start in October, November, or December. Well, you but really that, believe you that, know that wasn't contemplated. You no. really believe that? You really believe that? That you think the best thing would have been just to put everything on pause and then wait till October? It's an option that really went away when the other. No, but if you were the commissioner for a day, if you were the commissioner for the day, you would do that? Well, do you think he had calls from owners that said, why the hell are we playing? I can't put a person in the seat. You bet He had more than one, Glenn. He had more than one. And now if I'm a player, let me put my other hat on. I'll put my player hat on. You think I'm going to say, let's just wash the whole year away? No. Uh, signing bonuses, a season to create a, a, a quicker ability to get a pension, to put money into my family's genes. So there's, there's so many hats that um, – mm -hmm. Mr. Batman and Deer are, are having to deal with. I know that there was pull and push from both sides, but I think to Bob's point, you know, this hasn't been a, uh, this has been a Padita Felician start to the season. Now, we hit the first hurdle and there's been some trouble. And I don't know if in COVID there would have ever been a perfect way to do it. And what they did in the playoffs to recoup that money was as restrictive as you could ever have for a season. And that wasn't about to happen again. And so we are living with the carnage. And the return to play squad is probably going to get a lot of a lot of different nights when you're going to get the tap on the shoulder to let's put a game on. Well, let me let me throw this at you guys. Um, how does our perspective of this change if God forbid an athlete dies of this? the chances of that happening appear to be negligible if mm -hmm. almost at all, because we, 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 we seem to be of the opinion that the vast majority of those who get sick enough to potentially risk passing away, have some preconditioning uh, existing condition or are old or, you know, and these are athletes. These are people, guys that are in shape. So we don't expect that, but just for a second, what if one day the three of us wake up and find that an NBA player or an NHL player has died from COVID? Now, how are we looking at this? Well, from a NHL alumni standpoint, me running that group that we have, we, we have stopped every single function that we have because I'm not going to be the guy to call a wife to say that we put a group together for a golf tournament or a charity event or, or any event, and I'm calling their family to say, it was me that caused it, I organized it, and he's mm -hmm. done. So the, the answer for me is pretty simple. I think the bigger question would be this. If this pandemic creates uh, long-lasting conditions, what, what's that going to be like for players that, that have, have gotten COVID-19? That's going to be devastating for them. You know, hey, when you retire, most guys retire 27, 28. 28 to dead is a long time. And you want to have a quality of life. And we don't know the other conditions that come about from COVID-19. There are epidemiologists that do. There are neurosurgeons that do. My PhD from Pickering High School, uh, I don't know what that is. But I do know, for the most part, and, and Bob and John, I think you guys would be the same. We've always had bubbles. I didn't let anyone in my bubble. I mean, when I played in the NHL, it was a pretty tight group. I wasn't about to go to the golf course and say, 
let's just grab three guys at Royal Annandale and play golf with them. I golf with the same guys every week. I think NHL players, for the most part, have a bubble. But that would be devastating if, if that was the case for a player and a family. And that is real because it could happen. And it has happened to people that didn't have pre-existing conditions, that were healthy individuals. Oh, that's true. And this, this pandemic is is worse than what we have seen in 100 years. So uh, I hope- the, the interesting thing, Glenn, for me is, is that, uh, and, and you remember this as your time as a player, every year, five or six teams, the flu would run right through them. It would, and and you'd, you'd hear about a six-week window where, you know, this team has the flu and they were in, they were in this city and now that team has the flu as well. Um, it, 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 it just became part of the natural cycle of an NHL season. That's the concern that I have about this. Are we, are we, are we going to see that? Or, I mean, the latest one is Carolina. Carolina was in Detroit. Two guys from Detroit are now on the COVID list. I mean, you know, when, when you're in that proximity to other athletes without wearing masks and you're in arenas that are close confines, not necessarily just on the ice, but in dressing rooms and in hallways, I mean, I, I, is it safe? I mean, in your opinion, as a guy who, you know, has, has played the game and has worked for the Players Association, do you view everything that they're trying to do as, as safe? Uh, I would say with the severity and the significance of, of COVID-19, I don't think it, you could ever have it safe. Safe to me would be 100%. And I, well, I it, look, we I know look, it's not. We have buildings with multiple teams from multiple sports. Right. You've got basketball in Tampa, you've got hockey in Tampa. Someone gets it from the basketball side, could you get it from the hockey side? You know, the, the flu, yeah, go to your room, don't talk to anybody, and when you feel better, we'll put you back on the ice. And hopefully it's tonight uh, because you're, you're not going to have the morning skate. That was the theory. This one is different, and I think from an NHL standpoint, they've tried to take all the precautions that they can I wouldn't want to be a trainer in the NHL now. I mean, it used to be you just had to remember to pack equipment. Now it's the, the uh, disinfecting, the amount of work that these guys have to do to get these players to play safely in a game is incredible. And so, yeah, these are waters we've never swam in. And it you can never say with this, particularly when there are people that have COVID-19 that show no symptoms, that it will ever be safe until a needle goes in people's arms and we will probably be wearing masks for two, three years and kids today, it'll be accepted. Um, we used to look at people that came from the far East with masks and wondered, why are they wearing a mask? Well, we know why now. And so our world is going to be much different for the next number of years. And when it comes to sport, I'm glad they're playing. I mean, even after nine 11 and the planes went into the buildings and I know that's different, but we continue to have sport. And I think sport in some ways, uh, when we didn't have it on TV, I can't watch another poker match. Uh, I needed something for my mental wellness and we have it. And for the players and the league and the PA to try to pull it off as best they can. Uh, and to do it last year, I thought it would be a total gong show. It wasn't, they pulled it off. And I hope as best they can, 
they can bubble up and do it the right way and, and pull off a season uh, because I think Canadians, uh, that's our sport. And we love watching and cheering, cheering for our team. And when we don't have it, there's a void. Well, it occurs to me, you mentioned 9-11, and we all know more than 3,000 people perished on, uh, on that tragic day. Um, we now have over 400,000 in the United States alone that have died as a result of, uh, of this, and lots more to come, um, unfortunately. All right, let's get to um, what's happened on the ice. Anything particular that has intrigued you, surprised you? Um, well, let me start with this. Uh, what do you think of this Canadian division, this, this concept of the Canadian teams playing each other? We've talked a bit, John and I, about whether it has any long-term future. Well, in, in a lot of ways, I, I love the Canadian matchups. Johnny, Saturday night when we had Montreal, <laughs> Toronto, or Vancouver, Toronto, like it was different than if Tampa Bay came out. I don't care if they won the cup or not. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, it, it, this is our country. We love our Canadian teams, and we typically cheer for them. So I've liked what I've seen on, on the ice, and, and maybe in some ways the obstacle of COVID becomes an opportunity. And we look at this and say, is there a better way to do this? Could we keep teams north of the border and not have to go to that meth lab they call the United States with the cases that they have? Uh, maybe that is a, a better way, the, the opportunity that we're seeing. I think the hockey's been excellent considering, you know, uh, most players will take a week off, right, and get back to skating. Some of these guys, unless they've illegally broken into arenas, took months off. Some of them took 12 months off between playing games. And so it becomes very difficult for them to play at a high level when they're used to training at a certain way and they haven't been able to do that. Uh, but, and, and on top of that, because of the new CBA and because of the cap and, and that creates a, a new quagmire for players, you know, I'm probably going to get close to 200 retired players this winter because mm -hmm. flat cap don't have money in the system. You're going to get more players, more players. What does that mean for the current guys? There is a complete turnover in a lot of teams. So you're not getting the same 15 guys that you had last year. You're getting 15 new guys. And how does that chemistry work? That's why we tune in. And that's why we watch the games because there will be surprises and it's going to be a challenging year for the players that play, but even more challenging for the players like me who got a pink slip and the Leafs told me you're done. So time to well, for the next I know, I, career. I, I, I was waiting for your, your sweater to be retired with the Chicago Wolves. Um, no, I'm getting retired. <laughs> I'm just going to have lunch. No. I mean, sorry. Uh, I'm going to get back to the business of the, of the game, but as a player, uh, for instance, this week, Winnipeg and Ottawa play three consecutive games. They, three times in a row, the Jets and the Senators will play. Two in Ottawa, one in Winnipeg. What was that like? I mean, and, and do you like that? Do you like the emotion and the energy that will be head-to-head -head for three straight games? Well, if I go back and, and I put my 1985 hat on uh, when we played in the Smythe division, and, uh, you know, as you recall back then, uh, I'd have to go up, and I think I can't even recall the number of times we played Edmonton. But pretty much every You played time, them eight, eight times. You played eight them times. eight times. So yeah. after every first period, this was the pep talk. All right, start the jet. <laughs> this is over. <laughs> it's six nothing, seven nothing. What do you think we're coming back? I recall one game when the glass broke 
And the referee came over to Pat Quinn and said, Pat, the glass is broken. It's going to take some time to fix it. And Pat said to the referee, can you keep the clock running? So, <laughs> no, I didn't like that. I didn't like playing back then. Calgary was, was almost a dynasty too. The only thing keeping them in the way was Gretzky and Messier and, and Edmonton. And I would argue with, with, with Ducky, Howard Chuck in Winnipeg, they were a darn good team. Good not work. dancing around the league in a yellow sweater with yellow pants and a yellow, yellow helmet with not a single player ever going to the Hall of Fame wondering, hmm, how are we going to compete with these guys nine, ten times a year? And so, uh, hey, it, it, it's, it, it is what it is. I mean, not to use an overused phrase, but this is the, this is the way to mitigate through, which, is, which something no one thought was going to happen March 9th of last year. You know, March 11th of last year, I told my office staff, take a week off and we'll see you in a week. I haven't been in my office since. So they're trying to mitigate through a complete medical health disaster and they're doing the best they can. Not going to be perfect. Too many games against too many teams. Uh, maybe, you know, there'll be fans that say, I used to love watching Sidney Crosby on a Saturday night when Pittsburgh came to town and now they don't come to town. Uh, we're going to have to mitigate through this. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and, and we'll get through it and we'll get fans back in the seat and we'll get vaccinations in arms and we'll get back to a new sense of normalcy and whatever that new is uh, it's going to be different, but, but there will be some light that we can see at least 10 or 11 months into something no one's ever planned for. One of the things that, that I'm intrigued to see evolve, and I don't think it has quite yet, is um, the rivalry aspect of... Oh, it's going to happen. Is it's going to uh, happen. Yeah. And and we all know that when you got into playoffs and you're in a best-of-seven series, with every game that was played between the two teams, the familiarity got greater. The number of uh, elbows and spears and hits and anger increased from game to game. Familiarity does breed contempt. And we, we, we now are in an era where the game is not played the same way as when you played heels. Um, you know, we're not going to have brawls every night, but I think we would have, if this had happened 15, 20 years ago, oh, yeah. that's where we would be. Now, I don't think that's going to happen now, but tell me what, isn't there merit in this, you know, anger bre or uh, familiarity breeds contempt concept? I, I do like it. There's a, a little, um, a little hate that is always good. Uh, we had that when I played with the Rangers. Uh, we hated the Islanders. Well, when I was with the Islanders, I can recall sitting in the dressing room before the very first Ranger game I played. I could hear this rumble, and I said to Pat Flatley, what, what is the noise? He goes, that's, that's the fans in the crowd, chanting, banging their feet, like they were ready for it. When they brought Santas on the ice at Christmas time, Islander Rangers, Lovely. Bring Santas on the ice. Santas, yeah, food. they took their uh, uniforms off and the Islanders sweaters and the Rangers sweaters that were wearing Santa sweaters, the gift that gives all year long, fought on the ice. We had to delay the start of the period to get the fight from the Santas off the ice. So it does create that element of, uh, of angst, so to speak, for two teams. There'll be no surprises for teams when they get to the playoffs. You've played everybody so many times. You know, that's why Gretzky's records are, are, to me, are so incredible. When he played Calgary, there, there, every shift, it was Joel Otto mm -hmm. 
or or it was Joe Newendike. Like he didn't get a break on any given night. He didn't get to dance into Ottawa, for instance, when they first got their team back in the early nineties and Gretzky got on the ice with Denny VL. Like, is that like Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> like, come on, Are you kidding. So every night that Gretzky played, it was the same center ice been checking him over and over for all of his career when he played in that Smythe division. So it will be, Hey, though, again, obstacle of COVID creates an opportunity for us to maybe create a rivalry that didn't exist before. Some are inbred. Ranger fans hate Islander fans. You know, the, 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 the two Islander fans that would come up to the blues and one would be wearing 19 and the other one would be wearing 40 and they stand back to back and they were chased out of the building, 1940, which we heard in every building. So maybe there's some opportunity in COVID. John, I, I, no, I, it, it, it's funny now. I, I, I wonder. I mean, I do think the rivalries will grow. I, I do think that there will be situations, um, particularly um, beyond the regular regional rivalries. Like Islanders Rangers is always going to be there, um, but I think we're going to see other ones really kind of be nurtured now. I mean, I, I think Colorado, Los Angeles is going to become a better rivalry because of this, which will help. Um, and, and, and that might be, that might not be a bad thing coming out of this. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see long-term a Canadian division. I, and I don't think, I, I actually don't think it's good uh, for the game. I think it, I, I want to see Sidney Crosby every, every year in my arena. I want to see some of the great players that play in the United States play home in Canada. I think that's important. I mean, and th th those are I don't think it is it, at all. I, I oh, think I, I, that's I, the I, most I, overstated thing in, in all of sport is this notion that you got to play everybody because you have to have the opera. You want the fans to have the opportunity to see the best players in the world. Well, guess what? There's 20,000 of them maybe in the arena and there's uh, 2 million of them at home watching on TV. And they can watch Sidney Crosby, or they can watch um, the, the best basketball player, LeBron, for example. You get a chance to see him. You get this chance to see him on television. And, and for the most part, it's the only way you get to see any athlete for most people, because it's the same 20,000 in the arena night after night after night after night after night. I don't care about them. I don't care about whether those guys come in. I, I hope Major League Baseball goes back, gets rid of this interleague play and goes back to the way it was. I don't need to see the Los Angeles Dodgers for three games at the, at the Rogers Center. I couldn't, you know, okay, so they're the world champions or the Dodgers. Great. I'll see them in the World Series if I, if I, if I have to. And a great, see a great player? Buy a ticket. You know, go on a road trip if you have to. I'd like uh, to I buy a ticket. I'd like to buy a ticket for my home arena. Well, you'd like uh, to, yeah. but... And I mean, I, I, th I don't, I, I don't really I, care. I think geographic I think rivalries think, sell better. I well, think, they do. but there's no question, Bob. Yeah, there's no question. But I also think that there's something to be said for it. And Glenn, you were part of this when you were a with the Rangers and they would go to the West. It was, it was a circus when, whether it was Messier or whether it was Wayne going anywhere uh, but it, you were also part of it when you were on Hockey Night in Canada when Sidney Crosby would go to Western Canada uh, or some of the other or the Boston Bruins would go to. I mean, 
Bobby Clark used to love to take the Philadelphia Flyers at Christmas time and New Year's to the West. I don't know whether that was a punishment or whether it was just a better party. Uh, but and those became those became special events for fans in those cities. And I think that that's something that I think that has to be maintained. Yeah, I think there's there's two things. One, when I was with the Rangers, you're right, Johnny. We would we would go into a building, um, and and we were a traveling bunch of rock stars. I mean, we had Messier, and we had Gretzky, and we had Richter, and we had Leach, and we had some of the greatest players in the league at the time. Yep. Maybe some of the greatest players that ever played in the league at the time. And we would go into Florida, and we'd practice in Florida in a non-forsaken rink in the middle of nowhere because they didn't have many. And the, the building would be packed for practice. 400 people jammed into this little tiny arena. And Mike Keenan would start every practice uh, the same way. Every practice was the same way with Mike. Um, so all the guys who shot left would shoot right. All the guys who shot right would switch over and shoot left. And the goalies would have to switch hands. And so the, 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 the uh, comical thing would be all the coaches that would come in from all around Florida to watch and say, okay, I'm going to, my clipboard, I'm going to see what practice looks like. Here we go. First drill. Okay, write this down. Okay, it's a scrimmage right away. All right. And then they would look and, and like, if you've ever seen Wayne Gretzky shoot right, honestly, it's like his brain stopped. He was, ah, ah, couldn't do it. You know, and trying to watch me play goal, it's like I, I was wearing galoshes, for goodness sake. Either hand, either way, either hand. Yeah. Either and hand. So, yeah. so that was, you know, yeah, we would travel that roadshow and it, it became a thing, right? Different than just Carolina going into Florida. So I would agree with John with that. Uh, the other thing I would say, the second most important point, uh, and John, you've been to a, a, a Board of Governors meeting. There are 32, I guess, Board of Governors and alternative Board of Governors. None of the three of us are on that board. So if you think we're going to have a Canadian division, you're wrong, because they love the fact that all these guys dance around all over the league and the league has to be all one big happy family and spread the wealth. And it's that way in their business side. It's that way in their talent side. And so, um, yes, would I like to see it? Would I love Montreal every Saturday? Maybe, but it ain't going to happen. You're yeah. going to have, and, and fans, you know, you always had that dilemma. You know, if Ovechkin was coming to Toronto on a Saturday night and on a Thursday, he decided to run someone from behind, you suspend him. Because that kid has been waiting for the one game Ovechkin's coming to Toronto on a Saturday. And you probably could guess there wasn't many big suspensions Thursday, Friday to get into that Saturday game. <laughs> coast to coast to coast. So, uh, but hey, that's just a conspiracy theory from a dumb goaltender. Hey, speaking of business, um, you know, the, and, and you're, uh, you had some time at the Players Association. You dealt with the CBA a great deal. Uh, there's this extension that they put in place for four years. Uh, at the end of the six years, they claim that everybody will be made whole. The owners are taking a hit right now. And in the end, the players are going to take a hit. Uh, are, are we going to hear, are we going to start hearing complaints within that time frame of six years from the players' side saying we're still paying for the problems that we had during the pandemic? Well, I'll applaud them both for understanding that there was this need to get a CBA done and mitigate the financial losses of a season that would have lost a billion four. Mm -hmm. That's significant losses. Now, uh, the players had almost been paid whole 
on their salaries. Playoffs, you don't get paid, right? You get paid, I guess, to, to if you're, you're rewarded by winning, you get some money for winning, but your salary is covered. And as soon as playoff starts, payday's over. So if they didn't mitigate this with a new CBA, the escrow amount, so the amount that you have where you're only allowed half of the revenues would have been north of 30%. So smart of them to figure out and say, we didn't plan on the pandemic. We didn't have force majeure insurance, I guess, so to speak, which is in most contracts. So we've got to figure a way out of this. And the way to get out of it is to create a CBA that mitigates through this so that when we get to year four or five, or Johnny, as you said, maybe six, mm -hmm. that uh, revenues are back in the $5 billion range and we've got people back in the seats and our buying patterns are more predictable than they'll ever be. Uh, that had to happen. And um, probably the quickest, easiest CBA that was ever done. And Prokauer Rose is the only one that pissed because they didn't get to sit for three months and argue and keep giving bills to the NHL. Um, but Don't worry, Proskauer Rose will always find ways. That's yes. a law firm in New York, folks. Proskauer Rose will always find a way to send an invoice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there, no I in the uh, team, but there's two in invoice. And they are That's good. Right. Uh, so they, they had no choice. Now, will there be players that will say, gosh, there was no money in the system and I was forced to retire? Yes, that will happen. And almost every player that plays in the league has never played in a system other than a salary cap. And it, only in the very first year did players actually get money back. They've always give, given money to the league. So, uh, I mean, understanding the system, understanding, understanding what they had to mitigate, understanding the pandemic, uh, and understanding the losses on both sides. I mean, from a, an owner standpoint, this league is 70% driven by bums in the seats and popcorn in your hand and the $24 of glass of Chardonnay that John Bobby and the Platinum Club once a week, that, there's your revenue. And so they're just trying to get through it. And I mean, Bob, to your point, getting through it, are there people that are going to get COVID? Yeah, they're just trying to mitigate through it and get to a point where we can get some sense of what this sport looked like before. Uh, just for clarity, the uh, $24 uh, glass of uh, Chardonnay was actually a $6 glass of Chardonnay. They just tar charged $24 for it. That's how that scenario works, as you well know. It might have been a $6 bottle that they charged $24 a glass. might have been a $6 <laughs> case. <laughs> hey, Glenn, so you, do you want to be back on the air? Do you want to be a broadcaster again? Would uh, you go back on? Yeah. I, I know you got a good life right he, now. But... You know. You hired me. Uh, I, I remember the fir very first time I was on TV. John, twice? I hired, I hired you twice. You did, yes. Um, and uh, John called me, said, would you like to come on? And I was still playing. But I, at the time, I severed a finger playing with the Islanders. So I wasn't playing, clearly. <laughs> I was missing a finger, so can't play. And uh, so I was on with Ron McLean in the, in the atrium. And uh, I remember sitting there, very first show, and... I got this guy in my ear and I mean, it's the first time I've had an earpiece on and, and I hear this boisterous guy from the truck saying, would you sit up? And that was John Shannon. So there was my first bit of news. And then the very first game that I did uh, with Hockey Night in Canada was with the great Don Whitman. And I was in the booth in Edmonton and they had the big pregame ceremony and 
my hand was off and I'm watching it and I'm thinking I'm a player again, right? Like, this is so cool. And he pushes his mute button and he looks at me and he goes, hey, dummy, put your headset on. They can't hear you talking. Oh, oh sorry. Didn't know I needed that. Uh, and then the, the first whistle. So this is a great start. First whistle, uh, the lines came up. You remember when you used to put the lines on, John? Not a bad idea. And so it was, okay, there's uh, Gretzky playing with, and boom, they came down. I said, well, unless you're a speed reader, that was a wasted exercise. But stay tuned, because the next whistle, we're going to waste more time and put Calgary's lineup on. And uh, I got royal SHIT from the exec produced then saying, you can't say that. Well, I guess I kind of did. Um, But... You know, we had fun uh, with Hockey Night. We revolutionized things. We were the first group to go between the benches. Mm -hmm. Uh, John was part of that with Mark Askin. We did that um, when there was one of the lockouts. And I can still... Work work stoppage. Work stoppage. Work stoppage. Um, Between the benches, I had a radar gun. And I would see how fast guys could shoot the puck. And... uh, we had one gamer on in between the benches with the radar gun and Sidney Crosby comes by and stops and goes, what the hell is that? So I don't think you'd be allowed in anymore with a gun, but um, Hey, we had fun. I love between the benches. I, I love the interaction and working with the best people in our sport, which were hockey night in Canada, Sportsnet, CBC, some of the greatest. And, uh, and maybe there's a time you go back, but for now, I'm trying to make a better tomorrow than today for a whole bunch of players. So this is a rewarding job that I have. And it's, it would, it would be an understatement to say it's full-time. It's more than full-time. Well, look at that. It's just one guy, but I, I sure miss you on the broadcast. Um, uh, we all kind of understand the scenario that happened, not just to you, but to all three of us. Um, uh, but uh, nothing you can do about that. And who knows, maybe there's another opportunity somewhere down the road. You never say never. Um, I can tell you this for sure. There is an opportunity for you to join us again anytime you're available. Um, I've missed talking to you, so I'm, I'm glad to see you. It'll be nice when we can get together on a golf course or in a backyard. But uh, until that happens, stay safe. And thanks a lot for taking a few minutes this morning for us. And by, and by the way, Glenn, you, you, extra marks for creating the Perdita Felician hurdles metaphor early in the show. It, I had to think about it for about four minutes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she must be from Whitby or something. Is she from Whitby? Yeah, she's from Pickering. Bobcat, okay. that's when he went for four minutes. He looked up and he was staring <laughs> in his face. The Perdita. The inauguration. He was just, the caller's my car. The Perdita Feliciane hurdle metaphor by Glenn Healy. Yes. Top of the list. I love, I love being on, and, I, and I'll say this. As a player, we all die one life, right? In the sense, our career ends. We've got to move on to something else. Yeah. And, and, and for some, we die a couple times. And the guys that are talented, like the two gentlemen I'm talking to, they live to fight another day. And you guys have done that. And you're talented people. And the world's your oyster. So you're champion something else. And... You know, the obstacle that was once there for all of us is an opportunity, and you guys have seized it. It's been really, really fun. So I'm, I'm available anytime. You're, you're very kind. And, and remember uh, the award, the Kick It Up yeah, Award. Goes to Bob Cat. Here we go. I just like to give uh, that to you on the day we have a new president.
All right, maybe I might rescind the offer to have you come back. I tell you what, I want to see the I want to see the taps on the bottom of Bob's shoes now too. So <laughs> we love you, Healy, and uh, stay safe. And uh, we'll uh, we'll bother you again somewhere down the road. We promise. All right. Love it, boys. All the best. Stay safe as well. Glenn Healy on the podcast today. That's it for us. We'll uh, see you on Friday.